0: The yeshiva.net. Okay, so we'll begin a new maimer today, Bezer Hashem. At the end of Shlach, we have the story of the Makoshish Eitzim. We're at page uh, six, 83. Yeah, yeah, 83. The maimer is focused on the last story of Parsha Shlach, the story of the Makoshish Eitzim you know parsha shlach you can put it as a very very dramatic parsha that's the story of the miraglum of the spies which ends up in a colossal f- failure and catastrophe and the jews are uh, now going to remain and wander in the wilderness for 40 years right afterwards comes the story of the mapilim which means the jews who decided to go in anyway to go up anyway, despite Moshe's instructions, because they wanted to go into the land, which didn't end up well. That was a very unsuccessful attempt. From there he goes into the mitzvah of Nisachim. Nisachim are the wine libations, the pouring of the wine on the altar that came with various offerings in the Mishkan and the Besamikdash. Yeah from there he goes into the mitzvah of challah to separate a part of the dough that you bake to the kayan yeah. and from there he discusses afterwards the carbon chatos a unique carbon for certain sins and one always has to understand the connection, the thematic connection from the miraglam to nasachem from nasachem to challah challah to carbon chatos the last story, out of the blue comes a new story that when the Jews were in the Midbar, they found Ish They saw a person they found a person, an ish, a man, who was Mekoishesh Eatsum. What's Mekoshesh Aitzim? So usually the way it's translated by many Mepharshim is he was gathering wood, gathering sticks on the day of Shabbos. So they don't know what to do with him. This is a public desecration, a violation of Shabbos. Rashi says they warn him, etc. They bring him to Moshe, and vayenichu mishmar. They uh, they put him in like a prison, custody. And this is where they learn. Hashem tells Moshe that the penalty for the desecration of Shabbos, if it's done willingly, and of course with the whole complex procedure of witnesses and warnings, is stoning. And that's what happens. And then you have the mitzvah of tzitzis. This is just a story, the way it's at the end of Parshish Lach and it finishes with tzitzis. So he starts off... No, that's going to be the focus here. The word mekoshish is a very difficult word. What does it mean? And that's why in commentators you have diverse interpretations and we'll soon see here what the Zohar says which is completely from a different different realm. Take a look. It's page 83 on the bottom, the second column on the bottom. Membez, Membez column two. You see Membez, the second column all the way on the bottom. This is a maimer of the Balatanya of Toph Kuf Nun Nunvov, which means 1796. This b'zayhar. Says the Zoya, Reish Parsha Shlach, Kufnun Zayin Amid The Zoya in this week's Parsha. Sheyesh shne The word mekayish, you do have in Shas many times. No one has a hekesh. Mekayish from the word hekesh. What does hekesh mean? Hekesh literally is a juxtaposition, which means When you have two things that say together in the same Pasuk or the same Halacha, Chazal had a tradition that one of the ways of interpreting Torah is when two ideas say in the same Pasuk or the same Halacha, they can be compared to each other. Just to give one example, a famous one is in Kiddush, which comes to mind, Aftes. How do we know that you could betroth a woman through a document? The answer is makish The same passage the Torah speaks about divorce and marriage. the mi'beisoy means she leaves. is she enters into a new relationship. So we juxtapose the fact that they're together. We compare the two. It's called makish. Your makish means you compare, you equate one to the other. That the halachic Principles that apply to one, apply to the other, those issues that are relevant. For example, one divorces through a document, that says clearly in the Torah, the cost of Lasaif Krisus, Vinosan Biyada, right? So the vahoisa also can happen through a document. That's where the Mishnah says, Ha isha niknas Bishalish Drachim, Bekesaf, Bishtar. One of the three methods of kiddushin of betrothal in the beginning of Maseches Kiddushin is there is money, there is intimacy, and there is uh, there is star, a document. The minik today is with money or something that's worth money, like a ring. Yeah. Just an example. That's the word Hekish. You compare makish. So the zayhar akadish says mekayish comes from that word. <laughs> mekayish etz He was comparing trees on Shabbos. <laughs> what was he comparing? He says there's, there's, there's two types of trees. There's Eitz Achayim and there's Eitz Hadas. In the original Garden of Eden, where Adam and Chava were planted, were created, we know that there was the Eitz there's the Tree of Life. There was also the Eitz Hadas, the Tree of Awareness, of Toiv and Ra. And Hashem said, Mikol eat from everything besides that tree. When he eats from that tree, he's now afraid he's going to eat from the tree of life and he sends him out of Ganeid. Says, this Zoyar, generations later, there was a Jew on Shabbos, comparing, Mekosh him comparing. He wants to know which one is greater. That's what the Zoyar says. <laughs> so that's, <laughs> it's obviously a very, uh, you know, curious and intriguing explanation of the Zoyar. What does this mean? How does it come in here? What is even the explanation? Why is he comparing trees? Why is this a desecration of Shabbos, etc.? Olahovens well, to understand this insight of the What does it mean? Tzadik Lahovin in One has to understand the Yen of Kedusha, the concept of holiness. Sh'amr the Gemara says, mata maila A person sanctifies himself a little bit down here. And they sanctify him abundantly from above. The Gemara says in Yuma, taflamates, adam mekadoshes maat Mulmata. You sanctify yourself maat a little bit below, and the result is that milmila from above they infuse you with a tremendous amount of kedusha as a result of your efforts down here, even though it's maat. The Gemara doesn't only mean the concept called Hashras hashkina, the dwelling of the Shechina. Shalza Amruba Fedesh. On this, it says clearly. They say clearly. The Chazal say clearly that Shechina Shruya. There's an expression: the Shechina, the, the divine presence, dwells. Shamru Kamai shamru as Chazal say. Shafilu Echad The Mishnah says in Pirkei Yavis, in the beginning of chapter three. Right? that even one Jew who sits and learns Torah, certainly more than one Jew, but one Jew who sits and learns Torah, so mm-hmm. the Shekina dwells with him. So that's something called Hashros, the Shekina dwells. Here, the Gemara's expression is in Yom Lamatas it's something unique that he's given a tremendous Geduche from above beyond the regular term of Ashra HaShchina that happens often. A Jew is davening, a Jew is learning. There's something called Ashra HaShchina. This is something beyond that. It's a unique gift. The explanation is based on what the Gemara says in the sixth at the beginning of the sixth Patek of Brachas. Ahadik Siv, about what the pasuk says. The Gemara in Brachas Lamed Hei brings the pasuk in Kriyashma, that you will gather your grain and your wine and your oil, and I will give grass in your field for your animal, and you'll eat it, and you'll be satiated. In other words, the blessing is that there's a process of work, agricultural work, farming, which allows you to eat and enjoy and satiate yourself and your livestock, your cattle, your animals. Oksivd is another pasuk in Yeshaya. Va'amdu mm-hmm. And strangers will stand up and shepherd their flock. That the pre-prophet, he prophesizes, that the Jewish people will be able to sit and learn, and va'amdu zarim, strangers, zarim, will stand and do the work. Frag de Gemara, how do you reconcile these two? The prediction of Shema, and the prediction of Yeshaya. So he says, kan kan One is talking about a time that they fulfill the divine will, and one is when they don't fulfill the divine will. Vasafta de Gandakh Vasidashkavit Serecha, you have to do it on your own as because ain't Ritzana Shal Makam. So you gotta do all the work on your own, you have to sweat. But if it's a time of Aisin Ritz Saynus al Makam, they're fulfilling the god will, then already He'll take care of it. And you'll you're free from the stress of this labor. For Hutamuwa. This answer of the Gemara is very difficult to understand. The eikhva after the gunha medabish eyesin ritzainus al Makam. How can the Gemara say that Vasafta the Gancha is talking about when they're not fulfilling the divine will? This is the second portion of Kriyashma. What does it say right before? You'll obey my mitzvahs, love Hashem, serve him with all your heart and all your soul. And then, Vinasati I'll give you the rain of your land in the right time. V'asafto You'll harvest and gather your grain, etc., etc. That's called ein To listen to all my mitzvahs, love Him, serve God with all your heart and all your soul. How can the Gemara say this is ein oisin ritzayneshal And that's where you got to do the work yourself. the parshas when we say it doesn't mean literally they're disobeying God's will. It says clearly <laughs> The Gemara was talking about that parasha of Krishma. How can you say this? It says you'll serve him with all your heart and all your soul. We're talking something much deeper. The word is only the first parasha not the second parasha. The first portion of Shemat says, with your heart, you all your heart, all your soul, and you're all your ma'id. We'll see what that means. In the second one, says, the word of is not here. That's what the Gemara says. The disparity, the distinction between avodas Hashem Bechol Maidecha and Nat Bechol Maidecha that's the difference of Oysin Yitzayin Shalmakim and Ein Oysin Yitzayin Shalmakim that's what the Gemara means Olohavendze but this has to be understood how can you say that a Jew serving with his heart and with his soul not Bechol Maidecha Zayin Yitzayin Shalmakim Olohavendze He Ne'isa Bezoyher The Zoyher says the less pulchana, ke pulchana de richimusa. Which means, pulchana in Aramaic means avoida, work, service. Richimusa means love in Aramaic. Says, less there's no avoida, kepulchana de richimusa, like the avoida of love. That trumps everything. Umideloy amar Move on. Heyisa Ava Atmo Khinis Avoidivadullah Giyala. The Zaya doesn't say, Les pulchana, kapulchana birichimusa. It says Kapulchana dirichimusa. The difference seems subtle, but it's a difference in translation. Les pulchana kapulkana birichimusa means there's no avoid like avoidha with love. In other words, serving God with a sense of love, with an affection. There's nothing like having a relationship with somebody, yeah? working with them, working for them, working with them, doing things for each other, accompanied with a feeling of love, not pressure and and, and anxiety and stress and only fear and dominance. Less pulchana, ke birchimus. Whatever avaydes Hashem is, a Jew is davening, a Jew is learning, a Jew is doing a mitzvah, a Jew is doing kind acts of goodness and kindness, Less pulchna, there's no avayda, kapulchna, birichimusah. Like one which is accompanied by a feeling of love. The zoya says, less pulchna, kapulchna, dirichimusah. There's no avayda like the avayda of love. Not avayda with love, the avayda of love. In other words, the avayda itself is the avayda. Not to do the avayda with a feeling of love. In other words, that the love is there while you're doing the work. The avayda is the love. Like the Avaida of love, not with love. That's what he says. The Ava itself is the Avaida he's talking about. It's the great effort to reach. And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu, he teaches das to the Jewish people, Lime das, he teaches this to the Jewish people at the end of his life in Parshas Savim, where Moshe says, Hashem alakecha, chayecha, to love Hashem your God. Why? Because He is chayecha. He is your life. Moshe is teaching them how to reach the aveda of Ava itself. What does this mean? What is Moshe saying? She is and when a person meditates. How he loves the life of his own soul. And desires very much the existence and endurance and maintenance of his life. It should never be interrupted. This is perhaps the strongest desire in a person. The will for life and the yearning for life, which is of course seen in a moment. God forbid when a person's life is in danger or in jeopardized or in question, what the person will do in order to hold on to cling to life. So what's this Chayecha? We see clearly a person has a lot of desires in life. You don't have one desire, you have a lot of things. What do you want to what do you want to do today? <laughs> Everybody has on their to do list, I'm sure, right? of the to do list After Shachis, you'll think about it, huh? People have a lot of desires. But what's the desire that is deeper than all of the desires? The desire for life we see. That if a person's life, God forbid, is in danger, they'll usually give up everything else in order to hold on to life. People will go through sometimes enduring procedures, surgeries, therapies that are sometimes excruciating and expensive. They'll lose their money and, and so much more money mela, but so much more just in order to be able to prolong life. We know there's situations where people are so much, and there's so much pain involved that unfortunately they have a different perspective. But generally speaking, the taiva sachayim, the ava sachayim is deeper than every other love. And that's what he says, that this is a, a natural ava. And when a person, chas vashalom, is not feeling well, or even when a person is exhausted, right? And you're craving to be able to get some rest, to be able to, to refresh yourself, to be able to revitalize yourself, to be able to become more healthy. This a person should place to his heart. Says, Remember, this life that you love, what is this life? This is the divine. ki hu Ki hu What is it that you love? What are you trying to cling on to? What do you want? You'll say, Why do you want to live? So a person will say, Why? I don't know. I love my family. I love this about life, I love that about life, I love that about life. And it's all true, but those are the manifestations. There's something, the person loves something about life. He can't imagine separating from it. He'll do anything. What is this chayav, that you love? Now we don't always focus on it because life is busy and stressful, but there comes a time when a person does focus on it. There comes a time you know those those vulnerable moments in life when things are at serious things are at stake, and suddenly you know a person doesn't always realize what they love and how much they love it until it might be taken from them. tells. <laughs> You will be remembered because your seat will be absent. As long as your seat is not absent, nobody remembers you. When the seat is absent, who is yankel, yeah? Well, yankel is da. But uh, when the seat is absent, you're remembered. So in, in a broader sense, it means... You know, sometimes when we have something, we don't appreciate it. You take it for granted. God forbid, when it's gone, you pocket my shavach. Person realizes the preciousness of it. We're talking a healthy person. I know there's people who want to die. But we try, even legally, even the legal system understands. Somebody is trying to jump over the George Washington Bridge, right? You call the police. Right away you call the police. The police will stop him. Why? They'll beat him up. They'll put him in prison. <laughs> They'll hospitalize him. <laughs> oh, cause you care for his life, really? So that's why you're gonna handcuff him, put him in a car, yeah, punch him in the face, make him unconscious. Really? That's how much you respect him. But somehow it's understood. It's understood by a moral society. That there is something infinitely precious about a person's life. I he wants to take it. Well, he's not bothering anybody. He's not killing anybody else. He, he, he hates his life. It happened. Unfortunately, these things are, happen constantly. Sometimes successful. Isn't that on a grand scale? You want to protect him from himself. Yeah, I'm just giving an example. Another uh, example, not when you your seat will be in. Isn't that a fear that one's wrath balance on seat will be empty at some point and it's true of every person? Yeah, yeah. I'm just using that pussyc as a metaphor. <laughs> isn't that, isn't, is that really love or is that fear? That person <clears throat> fears to lose something. I mean, he have it, oh, it's fine. But I think, I think behind that fear, what he's saying, behind that fear is a love. It's There's grounded an, in the love. It's a grounded in the love. a love. That the love to life is deeper than any other love, and is probably behind every other love. It's behind, it's it's deeper than every other, and it's behind every, every other love is a manifestation of that love. The question is how you define life. How you define life. You know the old anecdote, right? The communists come banging, banging on, uh <coughs> yes, in the middle of the night, a Jew living in, uh, you know, Moscow, in the real communist regime, <coughs> And they say, uh, you know, there's a <laughs> real Russian Jew, uh, does Jacob Gurevich uh, live here? He says, absolutely not, doesn't live here. And they say, uh, is, what's your name? He says, Jacob Gurevich. So he says, why do you say he's not living here? He says, you call this living? Doesn't <laughs> you know. The question is, how do I define life, right? But every, every, I would say, every or most cravings that we have are a manifestation of that. Sometimes people make a mistake because what they're, what they're craving are not things that are going to promote life. They're going to promote the opposite of life. Okay, but that's uh, a whole other issue. That's not a discussion here. Oh, but David. Ya tells Dov just beautiful words. Tomorrow, don't come to the meal of my father. Shaul would make a rishchaydish meal. <laughs> You'll be remembered because your seat will be vacant. You'll be remembered because your seat will be absent. <laughs> yeah, and indeed, Shaul said, "Where is David?" First day, not. Second day, where is David? But it's not just the words. You you won't be. There. He's going to ask where you are. And then we'll get into a conversation about you. That's the, the literal pshat in the story. <coughs> it's in Shmuel. But I'm just saying on a broader level, what it means is that sometimes it takes absence to remember. We take people for granted. We all know when people are... Sometimes your own father you take for granted, right? Your own mother you take for granted. Your siblings you take for granted. Whatever you take, it's there. It's part of life. And then Khalilah comes—the day when you have to say goodbye. You don't take it for granted anymore. And it takes vision to be able not to take things for granted when they're there. What do, what do I have to wait till it's absent? And then you wish. How many regrets do people have in life? If only I would have realized. You know that this this time doesn't last forever. If only I would have realized. Okay, so realize it and do what you got to do now. You know how many regrets do people have? for not having certain conversations with their parents before the time comes, sharing certain things. It's a painful reality. It's a very painful reality. These are things you hear from people. There are tremendous things you hear from people sometimes at moments of their life. You know, they're very sober and they're very lucid and they look at things differently and you hear certain perspectives that you wouldn't hear, you know, when somebody's on top of the world and just takes everything for granted. And things that are invincible and whatever they want, they have. That's when sometimes the Ava comes out, but the Ava is always there. The question is how much I'm aware of it. I once read an interesting, uh, paper. I didn't see follow up research. So I can't verify it. I just saw an article, I think somewhere or heard it from somebody that they saw an interesting, very interesting statistic. People who are addicted, have addictions, recovery is not easy. As some of you know, recovery is very, very difficult. An interesting thing, when they're diagnosed with a terminal illness, very often the addiction ceases. In other circumstances, recovery is so difficult. But with terminal illness, there's a disproportionate amount who sober up from their addiction. And it's a very powerful idea because basically when they realize that they're about to forfeit their life, a deeper self emerges. Similar to hitting rock bottom as a form of death, you're saying. It's a form of death. Now, this ava we're not always aware of, and I'll prove it to you. Ask any person in this room, or watching, or any person, you can go over to them, and ask them. From everything in life, you want to make money, and you want to have a beautiful home, and you want to be able to pay your bills, and you want to have, uh, you want your family to be successful, and you want this, and you want that, and you want to finish beautifully, and your et etc., and all the good things you want. Yeah, from all the things, what is the most important important thing to you? And if a person will think, right, you can have everything, but you're going to die tomorrow. Most important things, I want to live. Nothing else can happen without that context. I want to live. And that runs deeper than anything else. We want to be comfortable, of course. But if it's a choice between discomfort and life. In other words, I can be comfortable and not have life. And be uncomfortable and have life. Well, look at people in hospitals. And look at people undergoing chemotherapy. And people going through surgeries and procedures. Some of them excruciatingly painful. I want to live. This is really a good question. You have to hear from me, what is the quality of life? Right. Of right. Right. So at least so often with most people, they're going to say, this is the deepest thing. The deepest desire, the deepest love, more than any other. I mean, you can ask yourself the question, and I think this will be the answer. Now ask yourself another question. How much time during the day do you spend... <laughs> Fulfilling this ambition. <laughs> Appreciating it and promoting it and pursuing it. And we also know the answer to that, right? So isn't that a funny thing? It's a funny thing. You see, you see sometimes people who have been a terrible experience. They cherish life. Yeah. 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 But And I think the answer is, something could be so deep in you, but you're not aware of it. It's really there, but you're not aware of it. You're not conscious of it. You don't focus on it. If you would, your whole behavior would be different. It's not, you don't have to create. It's not that you're a liar. It's not that you're a liar. You're not real. You're a hypocrite. You're fake. You don't really want, of course you want to live. When push comes to shove, you'll sacrifice everything. But now I'm just not aware. I'm not aware of who I am, because we live with a lot of cover-ups, a lot, a lot of cover-ups. So now ask a person from your 24 hours how much time during the day do you spend promoting, prolonging, helping, advancing this which you love more than anything else? And sometimes you'll see zero, the exact opposite. When you get older and feel this uh, effect. Okay. okay. Right. Okay. How would you know? How would a spring chicken like you know? I just want to know. You're a smart teenager, huh? You're a smart teenager. Okay. Vek Khofri. George Burns, he said one time someone came up with a gun, right? And he said, Give me your money or give me your life. And he said, Wait a minute, let me think of (laughs) it. Give me your money or give me your life, huh? Yeah. <laughs> There's an old Jewish joke that during the First World War. So the Russians were fighting the Germans. So at some point, the Russian general tells his platoon, the commandant of the platoon, he says, listen. He says, we got no backup. We got very poor ammunition. There's a whole platoon of Germans heading this way. It's basically man to man. That's it, you know? It's basically one man to another man. So this Jew says, "Can you show me my man? I'd like to make a deal with him. You know, <laughs> maybe we can work something out. You know, show me my man, my And the truth is that Judaism focused very much on this, and even in very practical terms. Moshe says, "Reina You should choose life. I've shown you this life, this death, this good, but choose life. So when it says you need Moshe to tell you to choose life, an animal knows to choose life. A mosquito knows to choose life. Every rodent and reptile knows to choose life. So there's different levels of interpretations, but one of them it was a collective commandment to the Jewish people that under your, during history, it's easy sometimes for a culture or a religion or a people to choose Death. We have cousins who glorify death, who glorify dying as a martyr, gl- dying as a suicide bomber. Mothers whose nachas is, if their children could kill themselves, to destroy the enemy. The Jewish people, even in the worst situations, a day after Auschwitz, it was hard for some Jews to kill a Nazi. It was hard for them. Even if they had the opportunity. The focus is... was u'bachar Bachayim. Don't give in to a culture that glorifies death. You should always choose life. (laughs) You know they tell. They say that there were three people in Starbucks, a rabbi and a priest and a minister talking about their funerals. So the priest says, I would like to hear somebody say at my funeral, you know he was a true servant of the Lord. And the minister says, I would like to hear somebody eulogize me and say he was a real friend. You could rely on them. They say, Rabbi, what would you like to hear at your funeral? He says, I would like to hear somebody say, you know, I think he's moving. It's all based on the same idea, that we cherish life. And the truth is, it's, it's as we see, it's innately human. And it's not even human. It's actually every existence will do anything to preserve its life. Tremendous things. Tremendous things. Do I always, am I always aware of it? I'm not always aware of it because if I would always be aware of it, I would act that way. And sometimes I act exact opposite. But it doesn't take away from the fact that if my true self is revealed and I have, to, I'm forced to face it because I can't cover it up anymore. You see this ava. So the Balatanya is now teaching something else. He says, "You say, how do you love God? You love God because what is it that you're loving? You're loving this elusive thing called life." So what does it mean? That I could sit on my couch and eat ice cream? Yeah, I guess so. But is that what it is? And if I can't sit on my couch and I can't have ice cream? The people who were years prisoners of war, people who languished for years in gulags, they did anything to live. They didn't have the comforts that we associate with life. Yeah, life is manifested in the fact that I can eat and I can drink and I can enjoy people and I can go Sunday here and Monday there and Tuesday there. But that's not the nekuda. That's the manifestation, what we do. If you identify the avazam, what is it that you're looking for? What is it? You like your lungs? You like your lungs? You like your blood system? You like the nine systems of the of the biological organism? You appreciate your digestive system? You don't want it to disintegrate? Your skeletal system, what, what is it? Yeah, of course it's all that. But what is the nekuda? What is the poor? What are you loving exactly? So we usually don't go there. So he says, you love God. <laughs> Every Jew already, you have avas hashem, you know? You have avas hashem. You're in love with God. But the way you translate God may be traumatic. What does God mean for you? He says, hu <laughs> yecha. Stop with this trauma. The real definition of Hashem is life. That is what it is. What is your life? What is this life? What is this breath? What are these electrical currents (laughs) that vivify and vitalize our body? What are these hundred billion neurons firing away every nanosecond? You know there's a hundred, four hundred billion neurons firing away? Yeah, yeah, as you're smiling. Why do you think you're smiling? Because they're busy firing away, <laughs> and forty trillion cells operating. What is this life that gives them all that? What is it? That's divine life. It's divine energy. It's spiritual divine energy. You already love God. How can you limit life just physical? Also physical life. Also physical life. There's another life. But that life doesn't cease. The relationship with the body ceases. Is there life after death? Life doesn't die. (laughs) Of course, there's no life after death. There's no death in life. (laughs) Life lives. How can life die? The body dies. Life doesn't die. Very important idea. People find it very mystical. But I'll give you a very practical example. You plug in your refrigerator. You ever do that? Huh? You plug in your refrigerator, right? Sipas neshti May does it. You plug in the refrigerator. You plug in the laptop, right? You plug in the phone. What happens? You plug in the vacuum cleaner. They used to say the tape recorder, but I know that's all of our shalom already. Whatever it is that you plug in, what happens now? My refrigerator is functioning. The wire draws the power of electricity through the wire, giving the refrigerator the energy, the ability to be able to function as a refrigerator and cool the food, or keep the food cool, keep the food frozen, etc., there is a living, there is the power of electricity. and I The power of electricity. Nobody ever saw electricity, you know that. No scientist in the world has seen electricity. But we certainly all see the effects of electricity. The symptoms of electricity. The ramifications. Of it. That's why nobody doubts electricity. <laughs> we don't doubt electricity, not because we see it, we can't see it. But because we see its impact. We see its impact. Constantly. We have an air conditioner here plugged in, so it's a little cooler. What happens now when I pull out the plug? What happens to the electricity? Somebody will say, oh, the electricity is dead, the electricity is destroyed. No. What happens? It retreats back to its source. All the plug does is, it channels the electricity into this particular vehicle, into this particular item, whether it's a refrigerator or an AC or a computer. When I pull out the plug, the electricity doesn't die. It retreats back to its source. Life doesn't die. (laughs) Life doesn't die. So what is death? What does death really mean? Death really means that the life reverts, so to speak, back to the source of electricity. So yes, the, 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 you look at the refrigerator, there's nothing happening in the refrigerator. It's lifeless. But the life didn't die, the electricity didn't die. So what does life mean? What does birth mean? Birth means that the electricity is being channeled in this vehicle, through this vehicle. But that doesn't, that doesn't stop, it doesn't cease at any point. So Moshe Rabbeinu tells a Jew, I want you to understand kihucha yachha. What is this life that you cherish? What is it? Huh? You always have to be plugged in, yeah. You have to be plugged in. So why is it that I want to be plugged in so much? I'm looking for this electricity. I want this life. What is it that I love? This is Avas Hashem. This is Avas Hashem. I know you we some people ask do I love God? Am I capable? Of course you love. You love God every moment. You say, I don't feel it. Sometimes people don't even feel that they love their life. <laughs> Ask them, what are you doing right now? <laughs> but it's the deepest love in the world. You'll give everything up for it. And that's everything. Almost everything up for it. Almost everything. If you have to be left with one undershirt, right? A person could have everything and die and be left with one undershirt. Yeah? They'll choose it. Most people will choose it as... <laughs> you have to love a ship, love your ship for all... It's not you have, you do. You have to become aware. That is life. We, we hear the word God, we right away associate it some guy in heaven up there who issues forth commandments and warns about punishments and rewards. We have to change that paradigm. I'll Says the message, I'll call Nishimu Nishima. The word neshama comes from the word Nishima. Every breath. Every breath of life. Why do you say reversion? Because doesn't the... I say what? Why do you say reversion? Doesn't the goof just drop away like a garment and connect, the essential connection is never lost? So why do I have to... Why is it a reversion? No, I'm just giving a metaphor of that ele- electrical currents. So the metaphor is a metaphor, but it's not... Words, right, it's, yeah. I'm always connected with that. Right. So of course there's Afterlife. It's not after life. Life continues. It's not even after life. That's what the Gemara means Yaakov avinulai meis, right? Yaakov didn't die. What do you mean he didn't die? If somebody's always tuned into the electricity, so then there's no experience of Misa like we usually speak about. Because it's not after life. Life continues. Not in this garment. It's like changing my Rapsada Kakayan of Leblin says, you know, I mean Yakuin Oloy They buried him, they him, they eulogized him, they buried him, they embalmed him. So he says, you know, a person doesn't come to the and says, by the way, I put on a new shirt today. Yeah, I happened to put on a new shirt today. My shirt yesterday got dirty from supper. But I say, you know, I went through this crazy transformation this morning. I say, what do you do? I put on a new shirt. It's important to put on a new shirt. You should wear uh, clothes that are not filthy, but you don't, compare, you don't look at it as a transformation, as a dramatic moment in your life. Maybe some people do. I guess it depends what type of shirt it is. <laughs> so he says, <laughs> He didn't see it as a transformation in him. When you're in touch with that electricity, it continues. Yesterday it was in this garment, today it's in this garment. Transformation would mean I got transformed, not my suit. <laughs> you transformed your suit is not transformation. You changed the suit. So for him, the, the, the physical outlet was the suit, it was the garment. You know the old story about the cardiac june, but it doesn't do anything. It's paradoxical here speaking about an intrinsic love for your life which is a love of uh, Hashem and at the same time you're not aware of it you're not doing anything well I'm saying that we see this even biologically this contradiction I'm telling you ask every person go around Shul what's the most important thing to you and they'll say my life and how much time a stay do you spend on that? And you know the answer, right? Why? Because my priorities don't mean anything. My priorities are there in a very deep place, but I'm not in touch with them consciously. Yeah, but I may not be tuned in to what that ultimate priority is. That's it. right? It's always there, but that link is often con- an awareness, yeah, Unawareness, yeah, Unawareness an and an appreciation for it, not taking it for granted, realizing how vulnerable it is. How vulnerable life is, my like essential love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you leave a it. Sometimes uh, you'll ask a parent, "What's the most important thing to you?" Say, "His children." Say, how much time do you spend with your child? What's more important, your job or your child? What's the question? My job? (laughs) Really? How much time do you spend with your child? Uh, How much time do you spend in the office? (laughs) 16 hours a day with our child? Uh, Once a week, Shabbos, I fall asleep at the table. He wasn't lying. I don't think he was lying. It's true. Of course he would throw away his business in a second. If chas v'shalem, the life of his child was at stake. But in day-to-day life, That deepest, most essential passion—that is real. It's real. It's 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 camouflaged. It's eclipsed. Daily living, yeah. I don't. If you would throw away your business in a second to save your child's life, yeah. So why is it whenever he asks you, Tati, can we go? I'm busy. I don't. What do you mean you're busy? Didn't you say he comes first? The answer is, I got to make money to support him. (laughs) Somebody got to pay the bills, right? Now one day I'll make so much money I'll be able to retire and then we'll be able to spend 24 hours a day together. Problem is by then he won't know your name anymore. You understand my point? I don't think these, we're not lying to ourselves. We're not trying to be hypocritical. We mean it. Vaharaya, when push comes to shove, he will demonstrate that he means it. (laughs) I was speaking at a pidyan aben. So the is a very interesting nusach. You ever saw the nusach of haben? Right? The kohen asks you, but my boy is tve. What do you want more? Your child or the five slayim of silver, which is approximately forty-five dollars? It's a real question. And then you tell the Kayan, I want my child more than the fifty dollars. Wow, you're such a good guy. You won't sell your kid for fifty bucks. Not bad. Two hundred maybe. Right? So I was speaking at a PD and I said, what's this Nusach? So the Kayin is not talking about now. Kayin is talking about in eight years from now. In eight years from now, you're going to have to choose, but my boy is today. what do you want more? You want your money or you want your child? That's going to be a question. In other words, will you allow your obsession with money, for good reasons, to eclipse the relationship with your child? Because everybody is busy and stressed, let's face it. Most of us are not born with a Yerusha of $20 million, right? Or win the lottery. People are busy and stressed and over for their children. <laughs> if you just have to live on your own, you would just, uh, you know, you could survive on $8 a day and eat a tuna sandwich with Shiner soups. But there's tuition, there's mortgage, there's campus coming, etc. So the, the, the father is, is authentic. The father is authentic. But in day-to-day life, right now, I have to be in the office. Right now I have an email. Right now I have a text. Right now I have an appointment. Right now I have a meeting. Right now I gotta sell a building, buy a building. I have an appointment, whatever it is. Everybody in their own life. So that essential inner connection just is, is, is not on the surface. It's behind, it's, it's, it's in the background and sometimes it's covered up by many layers. And the question is how many layers? Lucky is the person who's always in touch with their deepest priorities which for many of us only comes out in moments when that priority is in danger. That's what often happens. So let's see the words. So he says, It's not, we have to, the word God is not a, it's not a Jewish word. <laughs> I know that sounds strange. <laughs> right? The word God is right away some being out there. So he says, you have to touch it differently. who is this highest in you, this life in you, that is Hashem. the of Mamish. The life of everything, the higher and the lower, the spiritual and the physical, the highest was the lowest was that is Eliku, that is divine. That is your chiyos. Okay, let's, uh, we'll stop here. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.